0: Welcome to Geeks Worldwide presents Pressing the Key. I am, of course, your host, Michael Schluger, and this is episode 274, inching ever closer to that magical 300 number. And uh, we have a fantastic show for you today. Uh, we have a special guest with us, but I will get to him soon. Uh, first, let me introduce the regular crew. We have Chris Lassard. Hello. How's it going, my friend? Doing good. Happy Tuesday. Yes, happy Tuesday. I, uh, have no one's ever wished me a happy good, Tuesday before. You good just follow up. Your hosting,
1: you're, your hosting skills are really getting better.
0: You're like <laughs> you're blowing my mind. I I never thought of a Tuesday's happy until right this very moment. So because you're
1: with us. Yes, that's true. You're
0: friends, you're 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 good to go. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, we also have Josh Irwin. How's it going? It's going good, my friend. How are you? Good. Good. Excellent. Excellent. A lot of news to discuss, but. Let me introduce our special host uh, for the week, the creative lead of the uh, new indie game Red, uh Nietzsche Washburn. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Nick. This is my long...
1: <laughs> But one of, the most underrated, one of the most underrated Simpsons characters of all time. <laughs> just,
0: Goodbye, everybody.
1: <laughs> Good bit player right there. Knows his job, does it well. <laughs>
0: So uh, we're going to talk about Red a little bit later in the show. Uh, So depending on where you are on the podcast, if you love horror games, you must check this game out. It is phenomenal. (laughs) Um, So you could skip to, like, that portion if you want, but we're going to talk about gaming news first because we got a fair amount of stuff to cover. Uh, First things first, a quick PSA, two PSAs, in fact. Uh, the first one involves the new humble indie bundle they are up to 18 which is kind of fucking crazy think about it 18 Jesus um this is a good bundle this is a really good bundle you should absolutely check it out for thirteen dollars you're gonna get probably about seven games and that includes no eight games um, one of them hasn't been revealed yet But uh, one of them is Owlboy. And for $13 alone, Owlboy is worth every penny. So I would pay more for that game. And you can because (laughs) that's the point. Right. You can choose how much to give. But uh, listen, at $13, that is a steal. You should definitely pick that up. Um, Our second PSA uh, goes out there to all our PC Master Race fans. Um, Phantom Dust, which I'll be honest with you, I have not heard of this game. I did not know this was a thing. This is apparently a uh, cult classic Xbox One game that a lot of people are not familiar with. Um, But it is uh, remastered, and they are giving it away for free. That's right, for free, uh, starting tomorrow, the 17th. Um, Now, the the bad news is, is on PC... Uh, you have to go through the Windows Store to get it, kind of sucks <laughs> a little bit, but you can't really argue with free. And uh, I've been told this is a fun game. I don't know too much about it, and I don't think anyone here had played it before. Is that is that right?
1: Nope. nope. No. It's got a cult. It's got a cult following for a reason. So it's either really good or really bad.
0: Yeah, and it's weird, right? Because I kind of pride myself on on being familiar with cult games and whatnot, but I had never heard of this one. Now, to be fair, I didn't have an Xbox growing up so that might be part yeah, it says in the article
1: that it's one of the best Xbox games ever it looked intriguing to me so
0: yeah so check it out it's it's got multiplayer mode um and the the way I was listening to an interview about it they basically there's a single player in the multiplayer and they basically in the remaster set it up that you could jump into the multiplayer if that's all you want to do you can do that from the beginning so that was not the case in the original game but with the remaster if all you want to do is multiplayer have at it they're they're ready to go for you. Um, so that's that. Uh, and we have one follow up for you. Uh, this one involves esports. So, th- last week we talked about this. Um, basically, Blizzard was trying to recruit Overwatch uh teams, right? And these are city based, these are like a franchise sort of. And uh, the report was at the time that it was 20 million dollars, which is a lot, as you can imagine. Uh, for each team, and Blizzard has come out and basically said, "No, no, 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 uh, that's not true." Um, but they also didn't say how much it actually was, so it's it's weird. It's in a weird place right now. What do you think? And and so uh, to, for for frame of reference, we should mention that I think League of Legends is like one and a half million or something like that. Am I? Yeah, yeah, it's around then. It's around it's around one and yeah. a half. And so, I mean, League is arguably the second biggest game out there after Dota, for the MOBA category. I feel like I'm just spitting acronyms out, um, <laughs> but it is what it, it is. The store. <laughs> <laughs> We're most of us are, are Heroes of the Storm guys, except for Josh, who I'm trying to convert uh, at the moment. Twenty heroes for free, man! Yeah, twenty heroes for can't, free. Can't 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 beat that. Um, Diva just came
1: out today, so you can forget what game you're playing. And,
0: true. And uh,
1: it's fun. Fun. It's a fun game, man. You're missing out.
2: So l- I want to play. I just, I, I just need to find the time. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like it. an excuse. I like
3: it. I just, I just hate some of the maps. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Some of them
0: suck, like Hanamura. <laughs>
3: Hanamura sucks. Hanamura sucks so bad. <laughs> um, um, I, I, suck I like it. it. I like how
1: skirmishy it is. I don't <laughs> like haunted minds, but we've we've been over this before.
0: We have. So let me. I mean, I'll just toss out this question real quick. Um, so it's not just me fucking blabbing here. Uh, what do you think is the is the right move for Blizzard? Do you think that they should price? equivalent of league of legends should they price a little higher or should they stick to their guns on this one uh wh- what's your take on this one
1: well i don't know um the last paragraph of this article is pretty is pretty fascinating um and uh, well it says blizzard seems to maintain that espn's report was part of an ongoing war of attrition from potential investors and that's like a pretty that's a pretty big claim you know what I mean? It's it sounds very familiar to what we're reading on CNN all the time. You know, so it's like, uh, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe Blizzard? Are you going to believe ESPN? And I don't know. That's that's what I'm struggling with. I would like to say that you know I I believe in Blizzard. They've always been good to their fans, and I, I and, and they and they've always been pretty good about the endemic you know esports stuff that they've created. So I hope that they just kind of everything was a little bit blown out of proportion. Um, right. I don't think they're going to forget about the endemic teams at all.
0: Um, I think I recall reading that um, one of the one of the team owners that did sign up, and I think this was the the guy from was it Denver? I can't remember anymore.
1: Uh, probably New England or Miami. New England.
0: Yes, 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 yeah. New England. So he agreed to pay whatever the most anyone else paid. The, no, the
2: the let the least amount anybody paid. Oh, the least he said. The least. I yeah. Know. So basically, if somebody else bought a team for five million dollars, he would also buy a team for five million dollars.
0: I see. Okay. Gotcha.
2: So he's in at twenty million, but
0: if it goes that high, if it right. goes that high, yeah, right. There will
1: definitely I think be opportunities for people to, to to get get their spot. I think it would be so anti like what Blizzard has done already in the past when it comes to helping out their players and fans to do this something like this, but I don't know. I don't know anymore.
0: Well, it's weird, right? Because I would I would think that they would like the first year they would go cheap and they would probably put into the agreement like um, that you have to renew the license after, I don't know, two years, three years, or something like that. Because let's be honest here, Blizzard has to be in here for the long haul, right? This isn't like a mm-hmm. uh, one- or two- or three-year game. How long has Dota been around? A decade? Yeah, a least? long time.
1: A, lo- a long time.
0: So, and I mean, League of Legends has gone through multiple <laughs> at this point as well. Mm-hmm. So this is this is like, you know, the long con here. I would I would think that they would want to make it super cheap initially you know basically invest a bunch of money into it and then when it explodes as it seems to be doing right now with 2.0 is it seems to be taking off pretty well honestly mm-hmm. I'm very happy for them about it because the the game was uh some stale. people, yeah a little stale a little stale that's 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 what I was going to say totally stale <laughs> um but yeah, so you know that that would that would seem like the right move, in my opinion. Not not being like, pay up. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I it's... don't
3: see the, you know, I don't see the reason of starting off that heavy and strong.
1: I do, and I, so I'm putting on my like big business hat here. And I might, I might have a little... I'm my Overwatch hat. That's awesome. Um, appropriate. <laughs> um, maybe they're asking the teams to commit to multiple years so they can run an actual thing so it's not a one-and-done type of situation. Like, I think a smaller investment would be given. Mm-hmm. And then it also helps with their production value. And they're mm-hmm. automatically, no matter what, going to be compared to the International and League of Legends. Um, and their production... League of Legends production value has absolutely skyrocketed in, in the last couple of days. I mean, it looks, it looks good. Like, that it passes the optics test really well, and they have to enter with that already. And, um, so, yeah, and I, I think... should say
0: that because I actually know one of the, a producer, a video producer, that does all the tournaments for League of Legends, and he'd be very happy to hear you say that.
1: I think it looks great. It's really it's clean, um, and so they have to do the same thing. You know, they can't go in there and look cheap.
0: But, but it's Blizzard Activision, they got cash to burn, and they're pulling in so much money from every other franchise, especially but me, like, but you it, know
1: they don't
3: have a hard time with advertising either or get but a is lot the, sponsors the
1: cash too. so but like what does that pipeline look at like though? Is the cash going to eSports, or is that something that they're gonna kind of let go on their own as its own little department? So uh-huh. because because that's why it might be different. So
0: hmm. totally possible, totally possible. Um, Unfortunately, we are a little tight for time today. We have a lot of stuff to cover. So I'm going to keep it moving. But I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. esports for Overwatch. That's going to be a big thing. Um, So uh, this is sort of a follow-up. This is kind of interesting. Um, ZeniMax, which uh, you might have heard of at this point, might not. Uh, ZeniMax is the company... Uh, that owns uh, id software the makers of doom right and uh, they're the ones that employed john carmack john carmack uh, went over to oculus and uh, long story short zenimax sued them basically saying that john carmack stole uh, trade secrets and code and blah 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 and so they had one lawsuit over the oculus and now there's apparently a second lawsuit over the gear vr which is related to oculus but obviously not quite the same thing since it uses your samsung phone so i know you've been following this pretty closely josh uh tell me tell me what's going on here
2: so basically uh the gear vr came out before any uh retail release of the oculus headset Um, and when it came out it was branded as an oculus product it was gear vr by oculus um so it
0: basically like uses their drivers or something
2: yeah, it uses it there's an API that's built into the it's built into the phone. It's like hardwired into the phone. and um, you know it, what they're alleging is that Carmack <laughs> left one of these mobile developers alone in a room uh, while he was cleaning out his office. And that, and that they stole a bunch of uh, proprietary code. So um, Carmack
0: met with the developer. Then he was like, "Stay here, where I've conspicuously placed this code. I'm gonna go over there and do something. I'll be yeah. back."
2: their whole story about this. They just this pulled thing.
3: a. <laughs> he just pulled a junk rat. Just
2: I'll <laughs> leave this right here. It's,
0: it's a really
2: it's a really weird story. And what makes it even weirder, right, is that they're suing John Carmack after the jury already found that. John Carmack didn't violate or steal anything.
0: Isn't that double jeopardy or no?
2: Well, no, there's no such thing as double jeopardy in civil the suits. The best
0: Ashley Judd movie of all time. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, there's no such thing as <laughs> double jeopardy in civil suits. But uh, ah. yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that they're going after him now uh, or going after Samsung because uh, they know Samsung has deep pockets. When, sure. as far as I know, Zenimax, has, have they ever developed anything for a mobile platform? At all,
0: uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe they own someone that developed something for mobile.
2: Yeah. So it just seems really strange to me that, that that they're going after mobile platforms for code that was used exclusively for mobile phones, which is way different than using code for you know a standard x86 or x64 PC. Right. Um, after John Carmack was already found not to have done any of the stuff they've already accused him of, uh, so
0: yeah. yeah. It seems kind of frivolous, right? Because, I mean, won't the lawyer just be like, hey, we sort of had this case already, and he, my client was I'm not guilty. <laughs>
2: so why is he here? Yeah, we need tort reform in this country. That's what we fucking need. It's ridiculous. Maybe they'll
3: try to get him on some other small shit that they couldn't get him the first time. Who knows? Uh,
2: yeah, you know, I still think it's funny. I still think the thought is funny. Like, how can you be the witness, that the, the expert witness that goes up against fucking John Carmack? That's like... <laughs> uh th- he's like a coding god so right uh, i just yeah it's like a, lot...
1: a, it's like a beautiful mind happening in front of them like the yeah. <laughs> visuals as they're he had, a,
2: he had a lot of really funny things to say about the prosecution's uh expert witness the last time that was just like oh man <laughs>
0: uh, i would i wish i wish we had the time to talk about that i might i might i might circle back with you at, and like another show because i want to hear this
2: uh just real quick to another quick vr story that you guys don't know about but i just want to mention it because it's kind of what the fuck um one of the top uh vr news sites that i used to read upload vr upload vr is now under this
1: is crazy
2: yeah is now
1: let's wait until what the fuck i think there's an appropriate time for this this is
2: okay i'll find the link and i'll put it in the chat
0: okay Okay. oh so it's what the fuck okay yeah
1: no It is.
2: it is
0: it is it's like fucked up interesting well then yeah. you should have pointed it out to me when I was like like a, like
2: I, I just thought about it when we were talking VR <laughs> like
0: uh Wolf of Wall Street stuff. Oh okay. All right. I want to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Um but speaking of VR we do have another VR story. Uh this one involves Microsoft. So Microsoft uh you know we knew uh or we have known that it was developing um VR stuff uh with Acer, right in conjunction with Acer. Uh, and they've finally taken off the uh, sort of revealed, done the big reveal. Um, and it's kind of cool. Uh, they're doing their own sort of, you know, here's the thing. I should, I should be more specific. Obviously, there's some sort of um, partnership between Microsoft and Oculus. We know that. Why? Because there's a Microsoft controller included with every, or was initially included with the uh, Oculus headset, right? Came with one. So they have some sort of relationship uh, already. But now Microsoft has released their own wireless controllers. These look pretty cool. Um and you know what they don't look too dissimilar from the Oculus one. Did you guys uh what would you guys think of the of the Microsoft wireless con- controllers?
2: They look like a Vive the Vive paddles and the Oculus touch controllers had illegitimate bits. <laughs> I mean, if you look at them, they've got the kind of rounded end, right. but it doesn't, it doesn't encompass the hand like the, like the touch controller does. So it's like, right. it's sort of like in between the two, which I think is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember if the,
1: <laughs> I am waiting for the day that my hands can be my controller. That will be awesome.
0: That's, that's coming, but that's a and little it, ways away. Yeah, so it's so bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why am I so bad at this? Um. So, so the the price has been revealed, and this is kind of interesting to me. The headset is gonna be three hundred, right? And the bundle that's gonna come with the headset and the controllers for four hundred. So Microsoft made the controllers. Acer is the one that made the headset. And from what I was reading, the specs on the headset are pretty similar to that of the Oculus. I think a little higher, right? Because you've got a fourteen forty by fourteen forty panel, which is a little higher. I think that's the same, actually. Same. Um, so, but obviously, prices is, is much better. What's the Oculus going for right now? Five hundred for the complete set. For the complete set, yep. Yeah. So here we are at uh, three. Was it? I say three hundred? Right? I'm not crazy. Two ninety nine. Yeah. So 299, we're going from 500 for the Oculus, and that includes their their two controllers. Now you can have the Acer one uh, for 299. Uh, do you guys feel like? No, I'm sorry, 399. So 100 dollars less if you want the the controllers in there. Do um, you guys think this is going to move units? Is this is this the kind of thing that excites you, Naichi?
3: I like VR. I think it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that's going on and has been being developed forever, right? Like it's not new, you no. know. And is that, is that by
1: a, any Disney means. Disney quest in the nineties, if you remember. Yeah.
3: Right. I mean, it's like have, VR has been around for
0: a while. But well, it's like nine and between what we had in the nineties and what we have today. I mean it's not like
3: and it keeps getting better, which is cool. I think the big thing for me is that they're really going to have to find a way to make it more affordable because everything's just so expensive to me.
0: Do you feel like 400 I mean, when you're is still around... out of reach of the uh, average consumer? I mean, considering
3: that I, I don't buy consoles based on their price most of the time. I mean, maybe it's just me being cheap, and not having <laughs> a ton of cash to throw around. I'm like, yeah, VR seems sweet. I want to play around with it and see what I can do with it, but I'm not going to drop $400, 500 to be able to play with it, right? Yeah. it's it's an, It's an interesting dilemma because I think it's cool and I want to support the technology and I want to see it grow, but from a consumer standpoint, it seems a little expensive. It's like the same reason I didn't end up bu- ever buying a ps3 when they launched was because at that time it was like 600 or something when it yeah, came out then went down. and and you need and you needed an hd tv and i yeah. was like what 16 or something when the ps3 came out yeah, yeah but caserize
2: no R- R- that Kasser Kasser R- R- I said you could just get a second
0: job <laughs> that's, that's true <laughs> you did say, that. um, um, I was say don't get sick do you do you guys do you guys feel what what's gonna be the the sweet spot right because 299 uh, 299 <laughs> Yeah. But I would say under $300.
1: 299 sounds so much better than $300 for some reason. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, like I'm with you. yeah. It, it it feels cheaper. I don't I, mm. I don't I don't know what it is. <laughs> they actually say that like if you're trying to put out like a super quality product, you you you'll say $300, but if you're trying to like you know, trying to make it feel a lot cheaper and more sellable, you'll say 299.99. Like there's there's research that like supports the difference in that. It's pretty crazy. It's fascinating. And, uh,
0: interesting. Um and I think
1: if it's feasible. To sell
3: them for under three hundred dollars yet, like if it costs, so develop right. They have to sell it at a certain cost, and I understand that. I'm just not going to buy one.
2: Yeah, they haven't said what the pixel density <laughs> is on this thing yet. Um, they yeah. haven't said whether Steam is going to support it because you know well,
0: Steam if, has it has an open API, so it should, in theory,
2: it should. Uh, but you know, or developers going to you know integrate all of that stuff. Um, you know, like Oculus has to run the Oculus app to even use Steam. So, you know, how is this new headset going to work? I I'm very curious as to like how it integrates with all the other VR stuff that is out there right now because it needs to.
0: Right. Well, I think we can mm-hmm. all agree
2: more competition is a good thing. Oh, for sure.
0: Um, now this isn't coming out even though they announced the price. I don't think you can <laughs> I don't think you can buy one yet. Um, do you guys remember what the release date was? I feel like it was a little bit later in the year, like
2: November or something like that. Let me see. it'll can... probably come bundled with the Scorpio.
0: You know what? I wouldn't put it past them. Honestly,
1: they did it with the Connect, so they did indeed. Well, uh, that, that went
0: really well. We all know. So.
1: You know, so I was actually talking to some Microsoft guys, and they're like community <laughs> members. So the way that they spun it was fucking brilliant. So, so they, they were like, they're like. Yeah, so originally, like the Kinect was meant for consumer products, just you know, because of how good gesture recognition was. And then the Xbox was coming out, we were like, "Wow, that that fixes that. We already have this, so let's just put it on there." And so, and then that's what they did. That's literally their decision making. Like, oh, we have it already. Let's just let's just force people to have it. Uh, and-
2: Peter, Peter Molyneux, <laughs> a recent uh, IGN Unfiltered episode, talks about uh, all of his involvement. Remember Milo? Yes. I remember Milo. So he talks about all of his development and stuff like that with the Kinect, um, and it was doomed to fail because like, like, it was this box that had its own processor, and it was super fast and super high-tech, and then they're like, yeah, it's too expensive to produce with all that stuff. So it's a camera. We're going to let the Xbox do the work. Hmm. And that's kind of why all that shit went downhill.
1: I mean, it's crazy. We use it in our themed entertainment stuff all the time. You know, it's like it really is just used outside of gaming more often. They just mm-hmm. try to make a quick penny and forced us to pay for it.
0: So we have uh, HP is coming out with their own uh, VR headset in August of this year, and that's going to be three twenty nine.
2: Yeah, close. I think I think HP also announced that they are specifically using Vive Tech.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Hmm. So I mean. You know, in the holiday season, you're you're going to see a lot of competition, and I'm hoping we're going to, you know, that's going to foster some price drops. Having said all that, um, to all the consumers out there who might be listening, I actually recommend you wait just a little bit longer for the second iteration of either the Oculus or the Vive, because I feel like both of those are going to take a really big step forward in terms of uh, quality. And uh, in terms of the motion controller, especially from the vibe, you'll see a really big jump uh, with the next iteration. When is the next iteration coming, though? I don't know. Probably, uh, probably next
2: year. What was that?
0: Probably next year. Possibly next year, yeah. Maybe we might see more of it, like, in the holiday
2: season of this year. But I, I have to agree with Josh. It's going to be some time and in the, the middle of next year. And the other thing is wait until the budget PCs meet the specs needed. Right. You know what I mean? That's because right now you still have to have an awesome video card and an awesome processor, you know?
0: Speaking of, I totally unrelated, but I heard rumors of like an i9 processor. Did you guys hear not,
2: this? Yeah, not rumors. They're going to unveil it officially at Compu's Jesus. something. That's yep. crazy.
1: Okay. How many conventions are there? Holy shit. <laughs>
2: it's <gonna> have, Finally,
3: <laughs> I can build my replica of the human brain.
2: <laughs> i9 is going to have like 12 cores, I think. Something like that.
0: Because why not? So so if I get 12 of them.
2: <laughs>
0: future put yourself uh, through 2030.
2: You'll just create a singularity and then the world will end.
3: <laughs> I mean, uh, that's what I wanted. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to
3: get enough processing power that I can destroy the universe. That's all I want. <laughs> all oh, all I, all I want.
1: just need some processing power. That's all.
0: Intel has got you covered, man. And some Intel's heat sinks. I, uh, I got, I got, I got everything else
1: good to go. It's ready to turn that key. I just need that extra processing power.
2: Yeah, AMD Unless the might... heat
3: is what I'm using to create the singularity. In that case, maybe I don't need heat sinks. Mm. <laughs>
2: yeah. AMD will almost get you there, but it'll get you there cheaper. So yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Okay. So I'll need thirteen. Yes, twenty twenty-five.
2: So uh,
0: next story involves Sega. Um, which we don't talk about all too often on the show, honestly, but, uh, they released a, a document basically called the road to 2020. Um, it's available publicly. You can, you can check it out. It talks about like Sega's entire business plan for the next, uh, three years. And, um, one of the things they talk about is that they are going to have a revival of major IPs, uh, as a new business plan. Um, excited. Um, but they don't really specify what those are. So I'm going to take this opportunity now uh, to ask you guys, what are three IPs, just three, uh, that you would like to see Sega revive?
1: Echo, Gunstar Heroes, Streets of Reach 3. Sorry.
0: (laughs) he he had the answer before the show even started
1: yeah no no those are three of like those are like the three two three games i ever played first i started gaming on a sega genesis my my uncle in korea introduced me to 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 it and uh it was a love affair from the beginning. Streets of Rage is probably like the most impactful game of my life. Mm. Um, it's only because like my sister would play it with me. It's like one of the few games that like my sister would play with me. And I loved how hard it was and how mm. you really had to like work together and communicate to make it through the game. Cause it was hard. Right. And um, it was just like a really nice time I had with my sister. I like look back on it fondly. Same now, thing with Pokemon so... Puzzle League on the N64.
0: Out of curiosity, is is your sister younger or older than you?
1: She is older than me. Oh, okay. Um, she's 17. Seven years older than me
0: oh seven years all right so that was like a really big bonding opportunity yeah
1: no it was it was awesome like there are pictures of us like sitting indian style in front of our tv playing streets of rage um uh, no it was i love that game also gunstar heroes i think is known as one of the best games
0: that is that's a great game yeah that's a great game um
2: i don't want to repeat anybody so i'll go shining force oh son of a bitch sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my favorite series of all time i think that that game is just amazing uh, followed by Fantasy Star.
1: No, nah, uh, get another good one. Good job. Uh, but
2: see, fantasy, like Fancy Fantasy Star,
0: they've made a bunch of Fantasy Stars. But they most made of them have been like them most. haven't like that.
2: Yeah, they haven't made a proper Fantasy Star uh, since Fantasy Star Four, which is also the best in the series. So, if you've never played Fantasy Star Four, go play it. It's got an amazing story. It's got some amazing music. I assume they're unrelated, right? All the Fantasy Stars. They are more or less unrelated. They've got. They, they have some kind of ties, but not not, not stuff where you can't understand one to the other. It's kind of like Final Fantasy in that way. And
0: that's uh, it came out for the Sega? Yes. The uh, Master System.
2: Correct. And then uh, my final one would probably be Golden Axe, because I'd just like to see him do something fun with that IP.
0: <laughs> and again, that was another one that they did another release game. a PS3 version. Was it PS3 or PS2? PS3. Any,
3: any game that let me play a barbarian a dwarf or a panther guy (laughs) it's true totally down Uh, look at that (laughs) I'm going to vote Crazy Taxi (laughs) I'm only going to give two Crazy Taxi and uh, Jet Set Radio uh, honestly I'm not a huge I'm not a huge uh, Sega IP fan personally I played the Dreamcast but I played Soul Calibur oh. mostly on it. So Power Stone. <laughs>
2: forgot that
0: one. Yeah, no. Uh, Power Stone is mine, Chris. <laughs> okay, sorry. <Anyway.
2: laughs> well, Power Stone is a Capcom joint, so...
0: You know what? It was on the Sega, so I think it's up for grabs. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's true. I mean, technically it's a Capcom game, but I would love to see it. Um, I would say, like, an Altered Beast. Uh, again, I think they released an updated Altered Beast, but I, I never heard anything...
3: We need a, like, particularly good about that Altered one. Beast... Yeah. But that's, like, just as campy. It's, like, Blur Studios-level graphics, but, like, really weird. <laughs> just, like, it uses the same audio.
2: Oh, I yeah, would, that would be interesting.
0: I would uh, toss out uh, Comic Zone. That was, as a kid. That was a cool uh, game. Who loved comic books and still does to an extent. Um, that was That was a great one. Uh, and I'd love to see them do something like that. There's we've had so many advances with cell shading. I think it'd be like really easy to you know, make a good one. So.
1: Um, did you guys ever play King of the Monsters?
2: Oh yeah, that's a SNK though, isn't it? Uh
1: yeah, yeah. I played it on the same. Yeah, I got yeah, I got I got to the... separate that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually
2: got that on my little Neo Geo X back there. That's a we, that's we, another
1: really good game.
2: Yeah, we threw down on some of that. Go.
0: Very true. Very true. All right. Um, the last uh, news story, because we're almost out of time here. Well, we're almost out of time for the news segment anyway, um, is this is really interesting. I saved uh, the best for last. So um, I'm trying to remember what NIS stands for. Mepon something. You guys remember what NIS stands for?
3: I can look it up for you. I'm going to look it up. <laughs>
0: uh, let's see here.
1: Well, in the meantime, if <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to CNN.com and see what else is written in that big red banner.
0: <laughs> uh, one second. Google, do not fail me now. Uh, Nippon Ichi Software. All right. Ichu. Ichi. No, Ichi. Nippon Ichi Software. So, um, you know, you might, that might not ring a bell off the top of your head, uh, but they are the people behind Disgaea um, amongst a bunch of other titles, but Disgaea is probably their biggest one. I'm trying to see what else they've done that's like really, really big in the US. Mm.
2: They've had Criminal some girls. Yeah
0: um let's see criminal girls which is a uh ps vita game that did pretty well um they did the hyper dimension niptonia which again i they do do they do persona i don't
2: remember no that's no that's atlas that's
0: atlas
2: uh danganronpa
0: danganronpa that's a good Um, one um
2: what's the uh what's the stupid rhythm game uh Pretty is the little, the little. The
0: pretty one. They did, you know what they did? They did the Persona 4 dancing game. Persona Ooh. 4 dancing all night. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, but why are we talking about them? So, what they said was uh, one of the uh, one of the managers there. Actually, no, the boss, not even the manager. The boss had a very interesting quote. He said, "The era is over for Japanese game companies to just rely on the Japanese market." Uh, It's getting smaller. If you look at the recent Tokyo Game Show, you don't feel the momentum that used to have until five years ago. And he went on to say that uh, Disgaea 5, uh, the sell numbers for Disgaea 5 was just 20,000 in Japan. That's it. Whereas in the US, uh, on the Switch, it has pre-orders exceeding 110,000. So we're talking about five times difference just huge. Mm-hmm. Um and he's basically saying look, Japanese, you know, Japanese dominance is over. The Japanese studios to survive have to make games for western audiences. Um and that's you know, c- growing up, obviously Japan was the dominant force. Everything video games was from Japan. Um and we've sort of come full circle now. Do you guys just see it as sort of a cyclical thing, where you know eventually in the West it's going to ebb and rise again in Japan. Or do you think like this is this is our foreseeable future going forward? I don't know, man. Dubs not dubs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
3: see.
1: Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I think we just have more more money to make these, you know, and and to be exposed to these things. That's an interesting point. More land. We yeah, have
3: we have more, more landmass money. to hold more developers. We have yeah, more, money and more
2: people.
0: Well, the the economy yeah. uh, in Japan hasn't been like the greatest or whatever. So, that's part of it, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, but they do a lot of uh, currency manipulation to keep their economy down too. Hmm. So, yeah, I think I think it boils down to right now the western audience has the money and they have the people. We have we just we just have more people in terms of the western audience.
1: Yeah, we just we have more consumers. Um, sure. I think th- that makes think sense.
2: I think that that's going to shift a lot here in the next five and ten years. I think you're going to see China being the number one consumer of video games uh, products. Uh, so you'll see a lot more stuff that's targeted for uh, for China or translated into Chinese.
1: Well, I mean, that's just a big market for everything pretty much right now. Yeah, you and, know? They've been,
2: and they've been deregulating video game stuff like crazy for the last two years. Yeah, mm-hmm. ten-
1: Tencent owns Riot, right? Finally.
2: <laughs> uh, I think you're right, yes.
1: I think that happened a couple of years ago. Um, Tencent owns a lot of shit, right? I, I don't know, but I think that just goes to prove your point that China will will be will be a major player for a very very long time. They just need to. Um, they're still going through like you know their economy bubble thing right now. So if if they can produce consumers, then yeah, I think that's true. But they have to produce them. They're not already there. Like South like it's like in South Korea, there's a lot of people who consume, but there just aren't as many as there are here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that's kind of the difference.
2: Yeah, I think their per capita is higher than ours, but mm-hmm. we just we have so much more buying power.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Merca,
2: Merca. Interesting. interesting think about Black like, Friday Black
1: here. here. Just
2: <laughs>
0: Yep. it's
2: so, a
3: holiday slash extinction level event every year.
0: <laughs> well, so what do you World's think World's that, World's that means World's for the for the Japanese market? Right? Do you guys feel that Japanese developers? Are now gonna we're gonna see a lot of more open world games. I mean, like let's look at Zelda, right? The the uh whatchamacallit? Breath, Breath, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. That was that was a huge departure for Zelda. And it worked. Uh, it it's sold like it's kind busters. of a
3: throwback in a lot of ways. I don't know if it was really a departure or so much as a return to form. <laughs> it's sort the of the original a Zelda game I mean, was pretty open world.
0: You could make the <laughs> argument that it was a throwback to the first Zelda, and and, and, I, and I could see that. But it was also such a huge departure from every other Zelda game that had come
2: out in the last 15, it's, 20 years. It's Zelda Skyrim. You cannot you cannot even deny yeah. the influence that a game like Skyrim has with, on Zelda. With <laughs> a
0: touch can, of Assassin's Creed I mean, for the tower climbing.
2: Yeah, well, because, I mean, you can – well, yeah, of course. But, <laughs> I mean, you can – follow. like, if you want to play Zelda, you can follow the nav points to, to get to each next story part, right? But you don't. You totally don't have to. You can go wherever the hell you want and discover whatever the hell mm-hmm. you want. It's very much Skyrim that way, which is not something I, that
3: I don't think I've. I don't think I've ever beaten the main storyline of Skyrim. I know what happens, but I've never. <laughs> I've never actually played you and Lydia for the main storyline because I would just side quest so much. Well, yeah. so my,
0: <laughs> my point is, Nintendo got rewarded for that open worldness that they put into it, which is something that's typically very characteristic of. Western games. Mm -hmm. Eastern games tend to be a lot more linear and either story based or mission based or something like that. Um, You know, take a look at, like, I think the weirdest or the the closest hybrid is something like Mel Gear Solid, uh, Phantom Pain, where it's mission based um, and that's what propels the story forward. But then you can just walk around and do stuff if you
1: want to. I think you can take their movies into account too, because there's no doubt in anyone's mind. since we're talking about horror, I think I'll use that as an example that Japanese and Korean horror is amazing. Mm. Um, but we don't, we don't see it because it's not made for us. It's kind of like, we need to be, we need to be looking for it in order to consume it on our end. Mm. But once an like once an American director took something like the host, right. More people saw it, but they just shit on it, you <laughs> know, <laughs> you know, and, um, You know, the grudge was pretty good. But again, like the original is better. And they changed these things to make it more consumable for us. So the movie industry did it. So if the movie industry did it, the video game industry is going to do the same thing.
0: So you're saying, so. I, I mean, to paraphrase, you're saying that yes, Japanese audiences, Japanese developers are going to have to uh, cater to Western tastes to survive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the hard part is, is we don't have to cater to their taste, and I think that's, and I think that's a, a kind of a thing as well. Because we make games and we you, we know that it's going to sell really really well, but you know there aren't when an indie studio makes a game, you have to localize it for the Japanese audience, or else it will not sell in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and when so you say you localize, localize it, you mean like the
0: voice work, or localize it in what way?
1: Everything, like it has to be a hundred percent localized for Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like if you have like Japanese you know kanji menu <laughs> but English words, it won't do well in Japan. So I think that's that's like another hard part, you know, too, where it's like there aren't really a lot of people making it for them or when they do do it, it's – I said do-do. Uh, when they do do it, um, you know, it's – yeah, I think you guys understand what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> I think
3: well, it's we also forget too that... because – Go ahead. I was just going to say, in a, in a market like Japan, you have a different culture. And Chris brought up something about horror games and a lot of the reason that Japanese horror games are – different and better in a lot of ways. A lot of ways the movies and games over there is because it's foreign to us in some ways, you know, which automatically That's makes scary. it a little bit more yeah. unnatural and a little scarier. And I think it's it's... I'm not a fan of the idea of Western games necessarily seeping into everybody else's market and, and affecting the way that they build things. I don't know. I think a fresh take or different cultures' takes on things are interesting. And I I personally would be a little bit sad if too much Western development practices got absorbed because I don't know, like, like Chris was saying earlier, like American reboots of Japanese horror films are fucking terrible.
2: Well, I mean, you can balance it out with people like From Software, right? From Software made what is possibly Mm -hmm. one of the biggest, uh, biggest revolutions in, in gaming in the last, 10 or 15 years with their Dark Souls series, For right? Sure. Like mm-hmm. everything yeah. needs to be Dark Souls like now. And that's that's all Japanese. That's all from software.
3: And I want to see more stuff like that because honestly, it's like when you think about America, a lot of the time we put out movies knowing that they suck, but we know that people are going to watch them. And it's about the fact that they're going to watch them and we're going to make money off them regardless of whether or not they're good. And that's why there's been so many Transformers movies. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I'm, I'm you leave my way out of this. Stop. But what I'm saying is, like, I don't, I don't want those practices to necessarily get absorbed entirely, because then Japan will just start churning out shit because well, they know people will buy it, not
1: because it's good. That's not <laughs> saying that our practices are all bad either. So, like, if they adopt good not ones, all of and them. that's, that's oh, great. No. You know, Chris, are you
2: about to shank them? Some
1: no, I'm literally cutting. Too, I, but... I'm cutting myself. <laughs> I'm try, thinking about. What, you know like just like the whole po- you know politics of of this all of this whole thing because i think it's kind of it's interesting like if the, it isn't like a black or black or white situation i feel bad for making a cutting joke but there's benefit should feel bad and there's
3: there's yeah. loss i just i want people to think about it and not just go forward and be like oh let's just do what'll sell to american audiences because honestly they're kind of stupid I, American I think, audiences.
0: i think the <laughs> couple of years are going to be really interesting because you're going to see that shift. Um, and you're going to see, well, it's, 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 it's interesting to see, like, first of all, I'm sure that the Japanese market will try and fight it to an extent. Um, but I think eventually it's going to lose. And then it's going to be really interesting to see the kind of what Japanese, Japanese developers make for Western audiences. It might be more, you know, successes like dark souls, um it might not i'm i'm really curious to see where it will go i will mention very quickly um that there is a kickstarter going on right now from the developers of guitaro man and parappa the rapper yes so if you're a fan of uh, m- you know music genre games or the, specifically the japanese ones not they're very different from rock band they're more rhythm games than anything else chop, chop. <laughs> check it out uh, it's interesting it's a little expensive but it's it's a cool idea it's a rap based game but uh, I promised our listeners that we would talk about the indie game your game Nike red uh, so let's talk about that it's a horror game obviously uh, but tell us mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more uh, let's start off with sort of what the game's about.
3: Okay, uh, I guess just from a story standpoint, uh, Red, uh, you play a woman named Mercedes. Uh, she is I'm trying to think because I, I, I'm writing it <laughs> lately that I'm trying to think about how to talk about it without telling stuff that's not supposed to be known. Do um, it's, yeah, it's, you want me to, it's it's want me to give it a shot? Game. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I, Chris can yeah. do it for sure. I know uh,
1: he knows. Yeah, so, because with the marketing thing, like, this is stuff that's, like, already in my head. So, um, sorry, I don't want to take it. Give her room to practice. Um, yeah, exactly. But, um, so, Red is a story <laughs> about uh, Mercedes, who is living a pretty interesting life. So, she is someone who has uncovered a secret um, that a lot of people are really upset. Um, and then, in turn, she's also going through some of her own demons. And throughout this game, she kind of tackles those demons and, you know, these kinds of things that have happened in her past. And she has to confront those through a survivor, uh, survival horror experience uh, with a day and night premise. Um, okay. so, so things um, happen in the day. Things happen in, in, at night. else you can discover but the story is really interesting because there's a lot of things that have happened before you play the game um, mm-hmm. that you kind of you know that you'll learn about eventually but it's it's pretty it's pretty good stuff Neichi, Neichi wrote it and it's and it's wonderful
0: very cool so tell me about the uh the gameplay right so what what can we expect um is it over the shoulder like it's, Resident Evil or what where where are we at it's it's a
3: It's split into essentially two kind of phases and modes, so it's almost like two games in one. Uh, Hmm. The daytime portion, you play Mercedes around her house, um, kind of during the day, and uh, you spend that time almost in kind of like a point-and-click adventure type game, and uh, you get drawn into this uh, case by her friend, who's a private investigator, who's an ex-cop, And uh, he wants your assistance in uh, this person that he's following for this missing family case. And so you, during the daytime portions of the game, you're in this kind of point-and-click adventure-style game where you're looking for clues and finding clues and making decisions about where you progress. And that uncovers stuff about that story. Mm -hmm. And then during nighttime, uh, you go into Mercedes Nightmares, actually. And this it goes into... So the, the the daytime portion of the game is like uh, the kind of Resident Evil fixed camera style game play. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, third person kind of fixed camera angles, very kind of Silent Hill, uh, re- early Resident Evil style. And then the nightmare mode uh, originally was going to be over the shoulder, but now it's in a first person mode, and uh, it's kind of like a survive for us. So it is it is first of time kind of thing. It's
0: first person at night. Yes yes and uh, do you have weapons as Mercedes or is it you know like the? there's no combat there's no combat <laughs> alright so you're you're running away so. basically you're doing mhm um... but it's not the kind of like
3: hide in a locker style comp like Outlast style I, I think sitting in one spot gets kind of boring after a while and boredom isn't an emotion you usually combine with fear mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, uh, where at night is it taking place? In the same home, or is it? Or is it? It's it's in her nightmares. So, what's the setting? Is mm-hmm. it like, yeah, you know, dungeons? Or... Uh,
3: she finds herself in these, yeah, sort of dungeony, sort of underground. Uh, but there's uh, natural kind of elements as well, like flowers and vines and stuff. It's very much kind of a dark fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, she, and in this space, she's kind of being chased by these creatures and stuff and finding out more about her past and stuff like that. She doesn't have amnesia, but I'm kind of taking the uh, Dark Souls, like you're saying, from software, storytelling route, where a lot of it's really environmental. I, I'm trying to do a lot of... I'm trying to avoid a lot of exposition <laughs> in the game mm-hmm. because I want things and to keep moving I forward.
0: I noticed in some of the images that you shared with us, I saw like a flashlight and batteries. So I'm guessing you, you navigate Mm -hmm. with the the flashlight and you know that you use that for, you know, I, so I, I I like horror games to an extent, but I feel like a lot of them rely on jump scares. So is that, you know, what, what kind of,
3: In a spot where they're going to as a horror fan i watch a lot of horror movies and my wife has the so. pleasure of sitting my wife has the pleasure of sitting next to me and watching me guess most movies before they even begin too much <laughs> um so i would say we're definitely not going the jump scare route um Stephen King writes about horror and he says that there's a bunch of different types and there's kind of like terror is something that he uses to describe, which is kind of like the sense of something being being unnatural or something being off, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. And horror is more the sense of like you see something horrific, like you walk around a corner and there's somebody's body open up with maggots crawling out of it. That's pretty horrible, right? So that's why it's horror. Terror is more the sense that if you walk around the corner you're going to see a body full of maggots but you right, don't know right right it's a sense so of foreboding. Going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm definitely going more for the kind of dread kind of feeling in this game. It's a little bit slow burning at the beginning and then stuff picks up in the middle. Um, so I would say the best comparison would probably be more in the Silent Hill kind of space. Okay. Then being in something like Amnesia or an Outlast, because a lot of those, not saying anything bad about those games, but that's just not really the experience I'm going for. Uh, When people play this game, I want them to kind of have that sense of nostalgia for the kind of PS2 era of horror where we got some really great titles like Fatal Frame, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole Fatal Frame series, at least one through three. (laughs) And, uh, you know. Yeah, I want players to kind of feel uncomfortable while they're in my game and then i hopefully it'll feel a little uncomfortable when they put it down too let me (laughs) let me
0: ask you this you talked about day and night cycles how long is each one going to last or are you still sort of tinkering with with that
3: uh well for the nighttime, it's definitely going to come down to some play testing because they're supposed to be kind of a set survival amount of time when it comes to the nightmare Mm -hmm. Uh, So you just have to live for a certain amount of time and kind of find resources and avoid being caught and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the daytime, it's more of kind of up to the player. I wanted the daytime to be a place where the player can take a break from the game if they want to. Uh, Because when you're designing, that's something you have to design for, too, is say, when will my player have an opportunity to put this game down for a little bit if they need to go to bed or take a break or something, right? Uh, So the daytime portion... Uh, after you wake up from the nightmare, it's kind of up to you what you do. Mm. Uh, And then you start the investigation sequence. And when you're in there, you're kind of locked into it until it's done. Mm. And then after that, you can choose
0: when you want to kind of go back to bed. Right. So you talked about go to the next night. You talked about resources. What, what kind of resources would, would you be gathering as Mercedes?
3: Well, uh, in the nighttime mode, you have one set resource, which is your, light, uh, which is your flashlight. Uh, and its battery just kind of drains while you use it. And you can't replace it, actually.
0: Oh, you can't. So, can. you so it's think not about... like the other games where like it recharges if you don't use it, something like that.
3: No, your, your flashlight actually has a finite source of energy. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about how you use it. Okay. Um, the element of the game that actually uses the batteries is she has a radio with her that's like a two-way kind of walkie-talkie-style radio and she can use that to actually get a warning of enemies who are approaching her and getting a little bit closer to her before she can actually hear them normally. So that's what you use the batteries to replace. That one has replaceable energy source. Aside from that, there's not a lot of resource management in the game because it's not, it's not a strategy game, <laughs> you know, as mm-hmm. much as I love StarCraft. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think that a lot too many elements can be distracting in a game. And when you're doing something like horror, you really have to be focused on the immersion, and you have to focus on the feeling that the player is supposed to have. And uh, developing for horror is a little bit different because most games are about empowerment, but a horror game is stronger when it uses disempowerment to its advantage. You can think about something like Dark Souls, where it has tank controls in some ways, and that's there so that you feel like a small, insignificant dude with a broken sword fighting a giant-ass demon. It wouldn't be easy, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, that's that's how I'm kind of trying to take the approach to my game as well, is you know think about what matches the mood, what matches the feeling, and what matches what I want my players to experience. And sometimes that isn't a good thing because it's a horror game. <laughs> so,
0: right, right. Uh, Josh, I, I will turn the microphone over to you uh, because I, I've been sort of hogging it with questions. So,
2: <laughs> Who, me? Oh, no, I'm I'm good. I'm listening. I'm, I'm not a big horror game fan, so I'm just, um, I'm just listening. I,
1: I have a quick question. So I think that a lot of, of them, them suck.
3: I don't want to fix that. It's true, a,
1: a lot of horror games do suck. Um, I feel... I I was wondering what, mm-hmm. how you as I like brandish the scissors at you. Um, how do you keep immersion past the first death? So I think like one of the hardest thing, <laughs> like one of the hardest things with horror games is that. And she's really like, fucking good. asking the hard questions. It's like it's like really good until you die, and then when you die, you're like, "And then you right. died." Again, <laughs> yeah, and, and then you're like, all right, I'm coming back to life. My immersion is done. So, how do you? I mean, do you have that like intentionally in your brain as you know as some a challenge to help with later, or um, is that just something that you have to deal with in the, in, like in this type of experience?
3: I think it's a combination of things because it's it is a real problem with horror games, especially if you hit a tough moment and you die over and over again. Then it becomes less about oh man, I'm getting scared every time and that's why I'm messing up. It's like it it becomes kind of like a trial of error scenario or I'm just going to run past stuff and see how well I can do. And that is something I thought about and I think about when I'm developing for it that I want to keep players immersed. And it's an interesting conflict because every player is different, right? And everybody's going to experience the game in their own way. So the best way you can do is just try to – design it as well as you can for the most amount of people and for me that meant putting the places that your character can die into a specific part of the game and then making a narrative explore explanation for why it kind of loops when you die you know such such, such as being trapped in her actual nightmare right mm-hmm. and kind of that you can't really get out kind of feeling um if it when it comes to whether or not it's going to frustrate players, that's really going to come down to the players themselves, right? And the best thing I can do for them is to try to design the level so that they're fair and design the combat – or not the combat, design the play so that if they mess up and something goes wrong, they can at least say, I'll do that better next time, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to something else. And, and I compare my game to a lot of other games because you have to, and I'm not – really saying anything bad about these games in general because, you know, other people like them, but if you look at something like Five Nights at Freddy's, eventually it boils down into being a stress simulator, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: If, yeah. You, if
3: you if if you you watch Markiplier do the 2020 modes, right, on that game, it really yeah. just comes down to time management, right, and memorization and knowing what stuff is going to be where, you know, and it stops being scary and it starts being stressful, right? And stress isn't Stress is uh, an emotion I want my players to feel, but it's not the emotion I want them to feel. So sometimes you need to tone back, and you need to think a lot more about pacing. Uh, and I, I've done a lot of studying on authors like Junji Ito, who's like the master of Japanese uh, horror when it comes to manga. Like he's the only mangaka you should bother to read if you want to read Japanese horror, in my opinion. Hmm. And he does some interesting stuff with uh, pacing and the way that he does his kind of action curves. And I've studied that sort of stuff. And I, I'm i just hoping I can channel some of it, right? You know, I can look at the things <laughs> yeah. that I really like. And I hope that people who like the things I like will like my game, right? It's not going to be for everybody,
0: you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So. Um, I I was going to say, what, what kind of uh, – what are you shooting for in terms of gameplay? Like how long do you envision it to be?
3: That's something that kind of fluctuates with game development time. (laughs) Uh, Originally, I was thinking it'd be pretty short. The more I wrote for it, the longer it got. And then the longer we got into game development, the shorter I needed to make it. So right now it's kind of at an interesting spot. We're probably shooting for like, four to six hours but the game is intended to be played more than once the story itself actually limits oh, okay. the amount of information you can get on the first playthrough so the idea is you play it once you have some interesting questions to ask and then you play through it a second time and you get some answers to some of those questions and you find out some more questions you want to ask and then if you like the game enough you can play it again and keep looking for those secrets and stuff that's hidden in there and hopefully if you just played it once you still had a good time when you played it right so very trying cool. to have everything trying to have stuff in there for everything buddy i want stuff where if you just play it once you'll have a good time if you play it twice because you liked it and you want to know more about the story there's something there for you and if you're one of those achievement hunters completionist types there's a lot of shit there for you too
0: so cool. very cool very cool i listen i'm very excited about the game i uh um, you know, we're obviously going to have you back on the show once it's a little further along in development. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, this is this is really cool stuff. So, hopefully, by the time uh, you are listening to this podcast, the proper website will be up, <laughs> Chris. <coughs> Chris, so I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so make sure you.
3: I build that. it if I knew HTML, but I don't.
0: So. <laughs> uh if you if you want to find out Maybe more information about the game should be available by the time you listen to this search for boulder games red and that yep should hopefully trigger it for you on and that is
1: a uh, and that is b-o-l-d-e-r
0: yeah, so, no, you. yeah no yeah you, no you know um, you b-o-l-d-e-r boulder games Yep, shooting for a February
1: launch. Um, I think it'd be fun to have 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 us all talk about it again on Halloween, whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. I think that's a good kind of recoup. Absolutely. Um, and we should we should we should be having some play something to play uh, by that point. Hopefully, Very we'll cool. have an alpha out by then. That's a goal for sure.
0: Awesome. Yep. Awesome. I can't wait to see it. It sounds really really cool. Um, so yeah, I unfortunately that's all the time we have for you this week. Uh, until next time, I have been your host, Michael Schluger,
1: Chris Lessard,
0: Josh Irwin.
3: Uh, this is Nate G. Washburn. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have a great week of gaming. Push a lot of keys for us. And absolutely make sure to check out Red by Boulder Games. We will see you here next time.
2: Till then. Absolutely.